This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen. I'm the president of World Ministries International. I want to welcome you to the Warning Television Program. Wherever you're watching, throughout the United States or around the world, welcome. This is also being put on social media. It's live. Uh, we're in a, with a live audience here at our chapel, our Bible school classroom at World Ministries International. It's also, again, on the Warning Radio and Shortwave program. Now, I'm talking today, I'm going to touch, just touch on Israel, but uh, my subject is what would Jesus do? We're in a world overcome by the wages of sin, leading to destruction and death. What would Jesus do today? Jerusalem, it's in the Bible very heavily. The Bible is prophetic. It's all through the Bible. End times, before the return of Christ, the battle of Armageddon, all eyes are going to be on Jerusalem. They have been on Jerusalem. They're going to continue to be on Jerusalem. Jerusalem the heavy stone. The problem is Jerusalem. The problem has always been Jerusalem. You can go back and ask previous world empires, such as the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans, the Crusaders, the Turks, the British Empire. Each of them have attempted to hold and control Jerusalem. Each of them have been given up in frustration. Only when Jerusalem has been in Jewish hands has there been peace? The real problem is that Jerusalem doesn't belong to any of these parties. God's eye is on Jerusalem. The Lord claims Jerusalem. Jerusalem is called the city of righteousness, Isaiah 126. Ariel, the fireplace of God, Isaiah 29.1. God's furnace is in Jerusalem, Isaiah 31, 9. Jerusalem is a holy city, Isaiah 52, 1. Nehemiah 11, 1. Jerusalem is the throne of the Lord, Jeremiah 3, 17. Jerusalem is a cup of poison, Zechariah 12, 2. Jerusalem is a burdensome stone, Zechariah 12, 3. The Lord God Almighty has a special interest in Jerusalem because he placed his own signature on that city. The signature of God signifies the nature, character, personality, covenant, and in essence, who God is. Whoever comes against Jerusalem comes against his holy name, his nature, and his character. 
They come against God himself. 2 Chronicles 6, 6, 2 Chronicles 33, 4. The signature of God is on Jerusalem. You come against Jerusalem, you will lose. Again, we're in troubling times, dangerous times all over the world. They're trying to control mankind right now, move us into a new world order. We're in a ruthless takeover, trying to topple the Republic of the United States of America by a Marxist coup. Biden is no friend of Israel. Frankly, he's a pathological liar. He's leading a regime moving in us into communism, into Marxism. I work with the attorneys, the senators, House of Representatives. My background, as you know, is law, investigation, felony, crime. This has been the worst election, fraudulent election there has ever been in history. President Donald Trump promoted Judeo-Christian values. He was the best friend Israel ever had. He moved our embassy. Instead of talking about it, he moved it to Jerusalem. I've worked with the Senate every single year. I work with the Knesset every single year. They love President Trump. What did Jesus do in Israel when the Romans ruled ruthlessly and the scribes and Pharisees were so hypocritical and corrupt? Jesus spoke the truth, even though the truth got him into trouble. Got him hated, verbally criticized, physically beaten, arrested, framed, and killed. Jesus could have compromised. We can compromise. He could have avoided trouble and danger. You can keep your mouth shut and everybody will love you. He could have just minded his own business and kept his mouth shut. But Jesus was determined to do the will of the Father. What would Jesus do? Luke 22, 41 through 42 says, And he was withdrawn from then about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup, remove it from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. I have noticed people wearing bracelets, displaying bumper stickers, inscribed with the letters, what? WWJD, what would Jesus do? I remember growing up, that was very common. What would Jesus do? Although I don't wear bracelets or put stickers on my car, those letters do express how I want to live my life. I simply want to do what Jesus would do in any given situation. So my answer to the question, WWJD, is a simple one. Jesus would do the will of the Father. In fact, that is what he did, John 17, 4. I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest to me. His whole purpose was do the will of the Father, not his will. He denied his will, personal will, each and every day to do the will of the Father, not my will, your will. You think Jesus wanted to go to the cross? No. Publicly humiliated, shamed, suffering, stripped naked. No, he said, if you can take the cup, take it. But not my will, your will be done. God the Father, the only way of salvation is blood. Life is in the blood. If you want eternal life, there has to be no genetic defect caused from sin and only Christ qualified to give us eternal life. Again, what would Jesus do? Point number one, Jesus would do the will of God. Do you? 
I sometimes wonder if people who wear WWJD actually live with that thought in mind. For instance, what would Jesus do if someone pulled into your lane and ran you off the road? Or what would Jesus do if somebody broke into your long line at the supermarket? Wearing a bracelet doesn't mean you are submitting to the government of God. If someone is not living in submission to the will of God, wearing WWJD only makes him or her look religious. Scribes and Pharisees. Only makes you hypocritical. Bumper stickers, religious graffiti, provide no proof that you live under the reign of God. Doing the will of God is what marks you as a Christian. There is absolute authority. People don't want to accept it. They don't want to accept God's will, God's government, God's laws, God's morality. They want to change it and make man his own little God or his own little Jesus. That's not the way it works. Recognizing his rule over your life, learning to live under his government is what demonstrates the reality of your Christianity. When you do that, you find yourself experiencing peace. You find peace, safety, security, and prosperity. It comes first on the inside and it grows. Your whole life becomes a life of peace. People are tormented within. If they don't have a relationship with God, they're tormented, they're driven. They have, again, all types of disorders, anxiety disorders, personality disorders, insomnia, no peace. You can't handle life on your own. You have to have relationship with the author of life, with Jesus Christ. When you do that, you find yourself experiencing peace. Again, it comes on the inside. It grows and your whole life becomes a life of peace. So rather than simply asking yourself, what would Jesus do? Ask yourself, what did Jesus do? Everything I want to be, Jesus lived out in his daily life. Just think about how he must have lived. He had no fear of sickness. You know, people are going crazy, worried about COVID. 99% chance of recovery without any type of vaccination. The normal flu claims more lives. There's a whole list of, of diseases that they've never shut the world down. Way more dangerous. Are we talking about people wanting to control mankind? The Bible in the book of Revelation warns about this. Without flinching, Jesus wasn't afraid. He didn't fear sickness, no manner of disease. He wasn't moved by public opinion. He showed no concern over his safety. I know we never shut down anything. I said, if you have COVID, come here and we'll lay hands and pray for you. And we did. I believe in miracles. I believe in healing. And I can testify, and you've heard me testify of every type of miracle there's ever witnessed, described. The blind, the lame, the lepers, everything. My God is alive. He's real. Yes. Jesus healed the sick. Do you? Without flinching, he laid hands on the lepers and healed them. Matthew 8, 2. And behold, there came a leopard and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Notice the faith of the leper, the faith of Christ. The combination was explosive. He was healed. If we were not in such a tight time frame, I could give you so many testimonies. Things that people never said you could be healed from. 
going into a hospital with a hole in the heart of a man dying with a death rattle in his throat. The doctor said, Reverend Hansen, don't pray for him. He's dying. Can you hear the death rattle? Asking the doctor, excuse me, going around the doctor, laying hands on the man, rebuking the spirit of death. Spirit of death, go! The heart hole closed up. He got up off the bed and walked out. He's alive today. That was 30 years ago. Do you believe in the power of God? I do. I've seen it. When man took up stones to kill him, he passed through their midst unharmed. John 8, 59. Then they took up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them and so passed by. I could tell you so many stories of men rising up. One man rose up to attack. He froze and couldn't move to attack me. Another man threatening. I gave a warning. God could take the spirit right out of your mouth. He kept threatening. He fell over dead. They did an autopsy. Malaria hit the brain. What would Jesus do? Would he run in fear and intimidation? I don't think so. Another time they wanted to throw him off a cliff. He again passed through the crowd unharmed. Luke 4, 28 through 30. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these Things were filled with wrath, rose up, thrust him out of the city, led him into the brow of the hill where on their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong, but he, passing through the midst of them, went his way. I could tell you stories of angels that have appeared. They protected me. They protected my grandmother in China. Coming to attack and kill my grandmother. She was alone in the field. They surrounded her, men. She recognized one of them, a notorious thief and murderer. She thought they were going to kill and rape her, and that was their intention. They watched her all night. In the morning, they left. Two years later, the leader said, do you remember me? Yes. She asked him, why didn't you kill me? He says, we were going to. We were going to rape and kill you. We waited all night. Our men surrounded you, but when we took a step closer... Your men, she said, I didn't have any men. No, you had men. They were looking like giants. And when we came closer, they took out their sword. And on their end of the sword were fire. How could we attack you? God is real. The story in the Bibles are real. Angels are real. And I could tell you a lot of stories. Say, I don't believe it. I don't care what you believe. I walk in the spirit of God in the supernatural. I've experienced it. And you can't talk me out of it. Jesus, because of his love for mankind, surrendered his life, suffered the most severe beating one can imagine, was stripped naked, nailed to a cross where he died. All so you and I could have peace. Peace with God. No one could lay a hand on him until he chose to let them. Even then, they could not secure him in a sealed grave. He rose from the dead. Demonstrating the power of his rule and his victory over sin, death, and hell. He was not afraid of lack. God supplied his needs. Now, he wasn't a millionaire, a billionaire. But he had disciples that traveled with him. If we wanted to read the scriptures, even 70 others at a time. Their needs were supplied. He had a treasure. I don't think any of them could be cl classified as the aristocrat. The millionaires, the billionaires. But the needs were supplied. 
I've traveled the world since 1985. I'm not classified as a billionaire, a millionaire, but my needs are supplied. Amen? Our needs are supplied. I have peace. I have no lack. I think God has taken care of me very well. Jesus lived the perfect example. Do you? People come back with scriptures. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that through, though he was rich, yet for your sake became poor, that you might through his poverty might be rich. What's it talking about? Yielding up equal authority with God, coming to earth, taking on the form of the flesh as an infant, living the greater part on earth as a carpenter. I'd say after giving up the splendor and glory of heaven, um, that is sort of like poverty on earth. Yet his needs were supplied. When compared to the glory he knew from the foundation of the world, his earthly life was indeed poor in comparison. Not only that, he yielded his glory to the shame and degradation of the cross. That's the love of God. That's the love of God. Greater than any love of any man. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. He took our judgment, our sin, so we are not enemies of God, so we can have eternal life. The perfectly sinless man was made to be sin for us. Stripped of all his glory, he took on poverty and made us rich. Rich in grace, rich in peace, rich in prosperity. Making him out, him out to be a pauper, I think, is far from reality. When Jesus was on earth, he did not live in the slums. I'm sure he went to the poorest of the poor. We go to the poorest of the poor, whether I'm in Africa or India or Asia. But I don't live there. Neither do I demand to live in the best palace. Something clean is fine with me. Jesus' earthly life is the perfect example of a man living in the will of God and under the authority of God's government. Jesus said, I have come down from earth not to do my own will, but his will, the will of him who sent me. John 6, 38. He was obedient even unto death on the cross. Philippians 2, 8. John 12, 6 says, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had a bag and bore what was put therein. We're talking about his treasurer, Judas. The politician said earlier today, if you don't like somebody, take over. Well, in any group, in any group, there's a bad apple. Treasure was a bad apple, Judas. But he wasn't a bad apple forever. There was a new treasure over time. Because out of his own guilt, he killed himself. We all know people and we can do the right thing. That doesn't mean everybody we know does the right thing. But they shouldn't blame you, they shouldn't blame me, and they shouldn't blame God. Some people have said, you know, I blame God for what has gone wrong. Don't blame God. I counseled somebody the other day, don't blame God. Blame man. Blame the devil. We gave up our authority when we listened to the temptation of of the devil, who's always tempting you to be a little God, right back in the garden. Don't blame God. You could have exercised authority, cast him out. 
Ananias and Sapphira, they couldn't blame each other. They tried to cover up for each other, and they both paid the penalty of death. Wives and husbands should not commit the sin of their wife or husband. If they know something is wrong, they should say, this is wrong. I'm not going to cover it up for you. In other words, I'm not going to lie for you. I'm not going to cheat for you. I'm not going to have sex for you. I'm talking about with somebody else. We have to live our life before God first and foremost. Amen? I have four daughters. Three of them are married. I don't want any one of them to become a prostitute, a legal prostitute for her husband. I want the husband to love her and treat her respectfully under God. But she doesn't have to become a prostitute for that man, a slave. We're supposed to love our spouse as we love God. Amen? That's what we're supposed to do. I treat my spouse like a queen. She is my queen. I heard somebody here say spoiled. <laughs> he knows I like to please her. Jesus' earthly life is the perfect example of a man living in the will of God under the authority of God's government. If we're really under the authority all through government, so to speak, including the family, we have great relationships. You get into the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Different responsibilities, but equality and respect one with another, honoring each other's position. That's how marriage should be. We have different responsibilities, but we have equality. God doesn't love one more than the other. But when we work together as a team, love can be beautiful. When we are out of the way, our selfishness, self-centeredness, out of the way. Selfishness, the will of man. Righteousness, the will of God. Jesus was obedient even unto death on the cross. Philippians 2.8, understanding and obeying the will of God is the only way we can ever come under the rule and authority of God in our lives. What would Jesus do? Dietrich Bonhoeffer resisted the commun uh, uh, resisted the Nazis. Adolf Hitler. I wrote an article, Germany all over again. People used to criticize Christians. Hey, we would have never allowed that. Well, Christians are allowing tyranny right now in the United States. Yes. Totally unconstitutional. Dietrich Bonhoeffer resisted Hitler and Nazism. The Christian leaders could have stopped Hitler long before he took over. But they did nothing. They didn't understand the scriptures or their responsibility and their own relationship with God was far lacking. Not moving with the power of God inside with relationship and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Dietrich Bonhoeffer again resisted publicly Nazism, spoke out publicly, got himself in trouble, was banned from speaking publicly, went underground to continue to plant and raise church leaders, was involved in spying for the Allies, was involved in the assassination of, attempted assassination of Adolf Hitler. Died in a concentration camp, turned in by cowardly pastors that were bought off, bribed. Watchman Nee died in a concentration camp. Great statesman, church elder, Japanese overthrown in China. Chinese communism took in, trying to bring communism into China. He spoke against it. Just like is happening right now in America. Watchmen and others spoke against it, trying to stop it. But most flowed with it. And then they had 14 days 
of turning your neighbor in, and he was turned in by other pastors, went to a concentration camp and was executed. John Peter Gabriel Mullenberg, the American Revolution, when he was preaching, took off his robes, took his musket, out of his own congregation led 160 men, were involved in the freedom, liberty, setting America free from tyranny under Britain. What would Jesus do? Oh, Jesus would do nothing but pray. That's not what my Bible says. God, Jesus used Moses to come against Pharaoh, the ten plagues. God used Moses to destroy the armies of Pharaoh with the ocean. Elijah, God used to come against Ahab, Jezebel. God used Samson, Daniel, Joseph. It's more than just being quiet and praying. There was ultimatums, there was warnings. But this is what God's going to do, Pharaoh. What would Jesus do? The only way to restore the nations back to freedom from tyranny. Suffering and persecution is for Christian leaders to lead the church by example, doing the will of God, healing the sick, thus being the perfect example of a man living in the will of God and under the authority of God's government. We have a responsibility to speak the truth. Truth takes away deception, prayer brings conviction. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.